0: Hello, this is Deborah Van with Thinking Agenda. We're an anti-cult organization in Orlando, Florida, and we're debuting a six-part podcast called Artist's Heart, in which we will speak about art therapy in healing, in trauma, and with ex-cult members. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Heather Swoboda, a licensed psychologist with Care Counseling. She will share her experiences in a cult and how various forms of artistic expression has helped her. We're very, very pleased to offer this interview, and thank you so much, Heather, for speaking with us. Can you please tell our listeners your educational background, and can you share any facts about yourself and how we can um, contact you if you are involved in any, any abuse right now?
1: Um, I have my undergraduate degree from Macalester College in Saint Paul, Minnesota, in theater arts, dramatic arts, and dance. So that was a I only took one psych class and then one psych grade was psych internship at Unbound, a halfway house for people passing getting out of cult groups or having left in Iowa uh, for a month. Write, my, I write an honors thesis on using movement therapy for people leaving cult groups, kind of to counterbalance a lot of the cognitive relearning um, we have to do. So after that, after I graduated, um, I ended up going and earning my master's in counseling psychology from St. Mary's University in Minneapolis, where I live. And then I... Took the marriage and family postgraduate training, didn't earn the full certificate, but got licensed in one of the few, one of the, in fact, the last opportunity to, to be independently licensed as a psychologist at a master's level. So that is my professional um, letters experience, and that um, I also took two weeks of an art therapy training. Out of the University of Illinois at Chicago, oh. um, their art therapy program by Harriet Wadeson way back in the early 90s mm-hmm. between undergrad and graduate school. And she actually had a class on, uh, art therapy for former cult members. Wow. That's interesting. And she had another one. Yeah, that was, that was a surprise. Oh, yeah. It was interesting. It was so... Um, I don't even remember who taught it or specific especially, things especially from
0: back it. Back then, I, I it, it would, would be a very unique situation. And I could see it happening now, but back then that's very unique. And in the 90s, I it was always a
1: question when you encountered cult members whether they were talking about ritual abuse because that was uh, – uh, recovered memories and ritual abuse stuff with something, as well as people who'd left controlling groups with positive aspirations, mm-hmm. like the more mainstream ones that we think of. So that's why I said I don't a lot remember, but um, I took some courses there, some graduate level courses, just in the summer. And those, that and my honor, what I studied for my thesis, my undergraduate thesis, and then that two-week course sums up my traditional training other than post-licensure workshops and such in specific art therapy. Um, So I credit a lot back to my mother always keeping a craft drawer as we were growing up that you could reach in, find stuff to make and do, and really just making it accessible to do craft, to do art. And it was my, it was a course in my senior undergraduate program by the director of the theater program who said it was, an, it was a course specifically for people who are theater majors but don't necessarily want to go on stage or backstage for their life's work to get a job and get careers. Mm-hmm. And it was called Alternative triple Performing Arts Major. Do you like in this? studies that you want to do that's not in the active theater, Mm -hmm. which I knew was definitely me. And one of the strong areas he talked about was art therapy. He was very much into mask making. He had spent some time with an art therapist and in mask making programs, both culturally and therapeutically. And that really planted a seed because it was more of art used for the process rather than the final product.
0: That's interesting, the process. Yeah, so the process of um, of, of personal development and 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 working, and working to evolve and for more self awareness, is that what you would? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. It it was. You can make a wonderful art piece, but a wonderful art piece isn't the end result goal necessarily. In my thinking of art therapy, it's what does going through this process, what is working towards this piece. Or what does this piece, once it's done, communicate? What does it express? And what kind of what kind of process does it take you through? How does it express what you want to express? It doesn't matter if anybody else likes it or not, or if it is going to make money in the general marketplace or anything like that. It's great if it could do that for you as well, but that's a whole separate pressure or possibility.
0: I read an interesting comment where someone, uh, a cult member mentioned that um what art means to them is seeing the world through their eyes rather than, you know, they were forced to see things through. Um, cult that, yeah. And so yeah, expressing themselves through art, um, it it realigns their their own vision of the world. So that's why some of the art is dark because they're also working out. Uh, the negative emotions that they've experienced
1: and, and for me it was I got involved in a cult group my first year of college and had an intervention got through a recovery program and left and returned back to college after only a year and a half two years but it the effect on me was really significant mm-hmm. and I i really i came from a very intellectual family uh, as I, and a lot I was really aware and affected by how much this short time involvement had really messed up my thinking and my cognitive skills and there was a lot of you know the talk and the recovery on relearning critical thinking skills and relearning logical fallacies and relearning a lot of stuff. And my group had not... My group, it was really mind-messing, but not a lot of physical control over us. So um, I didn't have to relearn that kind of stuff. But I said I walked around feeling so watchful over my head and my thinking. And I was pretty dissociative, too, for a long time afterwards and trying to figure out what was going on and who I was and all that kind of stuff. And knew well I gotta watch out for my choice and my thinking and da 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 and I said I felt like Miss Potato Head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All I could handle and be aware of was my thinking and my head and my brain stuff and then there was this face and this head and these little arms and feet.
0: It almost seems, um, because when I got out of my cult experience, it almost seems like your world becomes so small, like, mm-hmm. uh, before you were plugged into the, the the cult, so the world was seen through their mission or goals, and then it, it almost felt like an explosion, like everything just blew up, and you, you're, you're sitting in the middle of a, of a, a, a mine that w- went off, you know, it's very difficult, and... We have a lot of challenges with um, critical thinking because a lot of it is self-learned and 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 awareness and mindfulness, Mm -hmm. and it's not a you know a textbook situation. A lot of a lot of us learn critical thinking through experience and learning who we are and how we relate back to ourselves. And because a lot yep. of people see critical thinking like the the Socrates method, or and it that's all good too. Right. And that should be taught, I believe, in every school. But there's also, um, you know, it's very self-integrated, which is it's hard to put across. But how you put it was beautifully. It, it's very true. What you oh, well, thank you. So,
1: and I remember, and I did write a small article piece for about, feeling like Miss Potato Head, um, which is why I ended up writing my thesis instead of any kind of performance piece, writing it about how I used dance classes. And I took some choreography classes because I had been a mover. Mm -hmm. I didn't do theater so much because I didn't trust my brain to memorize script. (laughs) And... That wasn't my primary. Oh, my memory was really spotty and kind of, and for a while, and still sometimes is. but it, it did improve a bit. Um, but I was just, I didn't trust my brain so much, and I didn't trust my choices a lot, and I i kind of thought, well, you know, I remember watching in choreography classes, there's, we were given this little assignment for this little 30-second movement piece, and there were people in the class, and we each would make a series of movements, Mm -hmm. a dance, not like a performance dance, but a series of movements that um, fulfill the requirements. Of using, like, let's say, floors level, being on the floor, on your knees, and standing up. Where the important part is the transitions from the different levels. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting part. I mean, something as basic as that—it sounds as basic, but then—and then I would realize, wow, each of us moves differently, even though we have, and each of us make that happen in different ways. And even if we got up and tried each other's dance, like you teach it to somebody else, sometimes. I don't move like some other people. (laughs) They don't move like me. And and it doesn't mean that I'm wrong, even though I'm never going to be a professional dancer. Uh And so that was one. It was more like, okay, I'm doing the brain thing and the thinking thing and the training, and I'm back at school. But this is a way where I am finding my unique self through my physicality. Through how I stand, how I move, how I put things together in a way that is using me. And then it was also art was another way of drawing and um, making things and that kind of stuff, using my hands. Yeah, yeah. But I used those. That's, I used and then the other point... That,
0: Sorry. No, I I noticed in, in your Facebook, um, how you had a lot of photos of you still dancing, so you're still quite active in in, in dancing. I started social dancing
1: and yeah. I'm a really good follower. I'm a really great follow. I can tell that all the time and I think that's hilarious myself. You, look, it's so, you, lit, look, you look
0: radiant and, and, and you know, I mean it's always still photographed, but it looks like everybody's happy around you when they dance with you. So. So we have dance play. I and that's social
1: dancing which I took up after graduating and everything, mm-hmm. but years later, which was a whole other thing and um but yes, yeah, so I do that. Social dancing and that's it. so and the other thing is when I was at Unbound, I went to Unbound, the halfway house in Iowa where I went back and worked a little bit, that um for right after I, my intervention and one of the counselors there, her name was Mary and she had been a Hare Krishna oh. and she was this great woman, really great. And she one of the things that struck me was that she had this beautiful and she made these beautiful little anklets that with little Indian bells on them and they were from little seed beads, those tiny beads with a needle in the thread mm-hmm. and and I said to her, can I buy one of those from you? Because she was selling some to other people just on the side. And she said, no, but I'll teach you. So she taught me how to bead. And so I started beading. And I went from that was another way to use my hands to it was very calm, very repetitive. Mm-hmm. And so I've been making
0: bead jewelry since, since 80s. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. You still make it today? Yeah. Oh, that's. I still do. I don't do so much the
1: sewing and the seed bead. I've moved on. I've moved up to stones and glass and wire and
0: oh, that's, wow. like resin and stuff. I'd like to see that. <laughs> that, that sounds great. You know, that's. Sounds- I've just done that for yeah
1: for for my own stuff. But even so, if you bring a bunch of beads and string and wire or whatever to a table, and you sit a number of people around they each come up with their own thing uh-huh. <laughs> and you, don't, you wouldn't think there's that much variety capable,
0: but there is. So I like that. I, I think we don't um, give give ourselves enough credit with how we integrate and we do heal and how we heal individually. Yeah, I I think it's beautiful oh, how, yeah. how we can express ourselves through dance or through beating. Uh-huh. You know, it's just our way of self-integration and some, yeah. some people sing, some people act, um, some yep. People do graphic arts and express all kinds of um, ways through graphic arts as well. I
1: had a friend who was a baker. Oh. She sang with me. We were in a, we were in a women's singing group. I did more singing and dancing in theater, even mm-hmm. though theater art was a thing. And she was a wonderful singer, and she was a baker. And a lot of times I think about people who can bake creatively, where they're just doing it, where it gets you into this, you feel capable, you feel creative. Mm -hmm. It's not just following recipes. And plus, I got all the treats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) you got some good connections. Now, those results, yeah, those results were good. I watched the shows that... um, and it, oh. we, we watch the food shows and no. you, you wouldn't, I would never know like how the creativity that yeah. gets into food preparation. I mean, you take it for granted and it's so meticulous and they're like so in the zone, you know, that's mm-hmm. what it's Cute. about. You're in the zone and you're, it's like a, I don't want to use the word oneness, but it's, it's, it is so what they call flow. flow yeah. That's it's, how I get They're it.
1: calling it flow, where you get that state where you kind of can lose track of time or you're just in it. And for me it's it's a time of really lowered self consciousness where I'm not judging myself so much. Exactly. Yeah. Um, where I can explore and try things, and I give myself permission and I've gotten permission from outside to try things. And again, with our therapy, it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't have to be, I don't have to earn an A. I don't have to have this something that I can sell to somebody or mm-hmm. put up on the wall. It can be a real success, even if it ends up being a total
0: mess. Yeah. It's because so, it's, sometimes it's you. Yeah. It's just who, it's your some, own expression. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I think, that, and I, no, no, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I, I don't know if you saw my
1: Facebook or anything. I'm a talker. <laughs> oh, I love, um, I love talkers. <laughs> that, um, one of the other things, when I went to that art therapy grad program that that week in a camp, um, we called it art camp. Mm-hmm. And one of the classes I took was two weeks long and it was with Harriet Wadeson, who was the director of the program at the university there in Chicago. And, She's um, written a book and everything, well, at least one book and it was a long-term project in art therapy which was so helpful and wonderful and one of the very first exercises is one of the, those you know moments that really made an effect on me which was we could bring on supplies and then she would have a whole lot of supplies and then she'd give an assignment and we'd go up, we'd do it and we'd come back and we'd share. And these were not like 20-minute things. These Mm -hmm. were longer projects. But the first one wasn't a really long project. and It was, okay, we have a bunch of stuff over there. You've got paper. We've got pens, markers, 3D stuff, whatever you want. You've got your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Please make some sort of name tag, name piece for yourself that has your name, shows us some things about you, and can be on your body. And those were the rules and go. You have this much time. We had like, I don't know, maybe a half hour to do it yeah. and go. And so we went off and we all did just started pulling stuff and doing stuff. And there were 50 people in the class. And when we were done, we came back and we sat in a big circle with our piece on us. However, and I started looking around in the circle and went, 49 other people, and went, oh, my God, I did it wrong. Look at that person. Look at that person. Oh, oh, this, yeah, this, right. oh so, I did it wrong. Yeah. I must have done it wrong. Oh, my gosh. And then I thought, wait a minute. No. These were the three requirements. I made those requirements. The rest is all yeah. just me expressing myself. It doesn't have to do everything. It doesn't have to. And there was that part of me in my brain that said, wrong, wrong, wrong. They couldn't find a place to grab onto. Mm They could slip it off like Teflon. And that was another experience of, wow, huh. (laughs) I I, kind of like that. I think (laughs) it's so
0: much needed, um, besides in general and with with children and and with um, adults that are are getting over a a traumatic experience. Uh But I think it's... It's so much needed because it forces you to look, like what you just said, it forces you to look yeah. at yourself, which is, it's hard to do that in, in your normal, everyday life, and you're condemning yourself and judging yourself, and you have a job, mm-hmm. and other needs, and then all of a sudden, you have that moment for yourself, and it's like an epiphany, yeah. so it's, it's a very, yes. I mean, in cultic environments, they give you
1: so much constant feedback about right or wrong, directly or indirectly. You're always getting that feedback. So it's really hard that you don't in civilian life. I civilian life. Yeah, That <laughs> um, <afterwards. Yeah. laughs> you don't get that constant feedback or you're still looking for it. And, and, and. It was really hard to give up, even though my cult group said there is no right and no wrong. There is, there always is. Yeah. Um, and so to have that, well, I'm going to compare myself, so I lose, and that doesn't work here. Mm-hmm. I don't have to lose. I cannot like how mine turned out, but that's a whole different thing. Is is different than I
0: messed up or I'm bad. And I don't think I think you you need to to have that awareness before you could even go into, like, um, critical thinking or analysis. You have to know wh- who you are first, and I think that's why art mm-hmm. therapy is, is even just as important because it it reintegrates you for who you are and non-judgmentally, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah. really after speaking with so many artists, and my husband's an artist, and my daughter is too, and she's been in exhibitions, and so, wow. it's amazing how um the insights I've 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 gotten from, from everybody. I do some slight slight artwork but I it's am more like the stick figure type of person. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I- <laughs>
1: I do more more crafty stuff when I do just. I'm always, I hate going to art shows because I want to do it all. I want to try it all.
0: But I have many started things. (laughs) And I see, I I all of a sudden want to do it. I can see a a skull being painted. (laughs) I can see, you know, um, tapestries, like things that people have taken 40 years to do. I I want to do it. But it's good that it, it. Brings out that enthusiasm because that's also like a childlike trait that we lose. Yeah, Just that enthusiasm to embrace new things, you know. Yeah. Um, um so you, it's I really appreciate how you went into how art therapy is really important. Is art therapy also used uh, specifically to treat certain things? It doesn't. It seems, you know, like um. Is, it, is some of art therapy very structured, maybe, to help treat certain certain situations? I That I wouldn't know
1: because, again, I haven't had a lot of the structure of art therapy. Yeah. What I first thought, I went into um, counseling psychology as a general thing rather than looking for an art therapy program yeah. because there was not one locally. Mm-hmm. And I had only here and a life, and i was not going to travel, relocate, and because the only places I'd really had experience of art therapy or awareness of it was mm-hmm. mostly like real art therapy was like in hospital so oh, much. Right. So and I thought, I don't know, I ought to work in the hospital yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. or um. So I thought I probably have a better chance of getting work as a basic mental health professional, Mm -hmm. and I can train and specialize in doing art stuff. Yeah. And then I, I did for a period of time have, for four and a half years, I worked at a place up here called the Courage Center, which is a large facility with all sorts of programs, both for in the community, for residential stay, temporary residential stay, and then outpatient work and day programs. Children and adults, and I was in the adult section uh, with physical disabilities, cognitive oh, okay. impairments, brain injuries. Wow. And so I did this program. They've got amazing sports programs. Everybody knows the Courage Cool, um, aquatics program, re driving, day treatment for adults with brain injuries, wow. all sorts of stuff. That's and so I had a job that used to be music therapist, mm-hmm. but it, and it was an endowment position. So, um, I joked at one point when they were having a big financial funding problem, and I said, yeah, well, I'm not losing my job. I'm the art person here, so I'm (laughs) safe. And my boss said to me, and she had been a music therapist, but now she was in charge of the day treatment for adults with disabilities, Mm -hmm. and she said, actually, your position is safe. It's an endowment, so they can't use the money anywhere else, so why let you go? I said, okay, I'll be quiet. (laughs) So, um So I did, I was supposed to set up, it was a part-time job, but I set up kind of like community ed craft classes for people in the community with disabilities, whether it's a brain injury, um, a physical disability, a genetic, anything like that, Mm -hmm. to come in and take and to get all supplies, get a volunteer to teach it or teach it myself, and to get the room set up and everything and get the supplies and get assistance to help. It's doable for the participants and to take the money and all that stuff. Um, and then I also did art cre- creativity groups, I call them, kind of like an art group gathering for adults in the day treatment program who were there for respite care oh. uh, for a whole wide range of, again, physical to cognitive to everything. Um, You've done a lot of work in this area. You've done a lot of of good work. And and so essentially that was improv, improvisation the whole time. How do you make something? Well, and then I did groups, activity craft art groups for people who were going through the residential program, which is usually post-hospital because major illness, major motorcycle accident, head injury, whatever, um, and to make things accessible to people. Um, And, I mean, I was teaching ceramics people, and you'd have a group of maybe six or eight people, and one of them is got high insight and energy and activity, but severe cerebral palsy and very little muscle control. Oh my Let's goodness. help them do ceramics so they have a good time. Somebody yeah. else has good muscle control, mm-hmm. but very repetitive attention span and from significant brain injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do we make this work? And yeah. all together in a group, and volunteers, and that, that. A lot of that was, again, just making up activities so that people could participate on whatever level they participate. They don't have to all – some people really wanted to make stuff. Some people Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about stuff. And how do you just let people do what they need and hopefully they get something out of it?
0: You're very talented to be able to tune into people that way. Especially, it's one thing if you have a group of the same type of people, but when you have all yeah. diverse situations, it takes a very unique individual to be able to kind of tune into everybody as an individual and help them and make it a, a very satisfying experience for them. So I really admire you for that, Heather. Oh. That's not that many well, people can you. do what you do. So, and it's pretty- but
1: it also seems. That's something also I have to kind of credit my cult experience The same in the thing of how do you design a support group? For example, how do you design a support group for
0: people abused in a group context with group methods, mm-hmm. things that
1: bind a group together, that help, you know, create a group experience that help define a group experience? And, have, you know, that's kind of a double bind almost sometimes. And it can happen, obviously. We have some examples. But how do you let, how do you respect exactly. each person's experience, what they need, what you have, you'd be real clear what you do and don't have to give them.
0: And, do yeah, you, I do don't. feel. Do you feel that that's being successfully done? I have not seen anything like that personally. So, I mean, have you. Um, have ex, ex-member support groups? Mm-hmm. Are you saying there's something else? Well, no, it's, I've a, never, a, it's like an art therapy technique for ex-members. Uh, Have you seen that successfully integrated? Not, group? not a specific group, no. Okay.
1: No, I've not heard of it. I've not seen it about it. And but also my experience with former cult members and their needs is that they happen a lot more. Most of the time, my experience has been more isolated, in crisis, or in need mm-hmm. at all different times. So if somebody has a high need, but not at the same time as a bunch of other people. It's hard enough to get groups with a similar issue mm-hmm. together, like depression, to get together and able to go the same night at the yeah. same day at the same time and have money, much less um, former cult members
0: yeah so So, so it's challenging even just from the get go to to do that you know right so it's it's very challenging i i I think it can be done and i hope to see um I, i hope that we can raise awareness of that need even if if um our organization in itself can't do it i would like to you know yeah. Raise awareness of it, of this option, and maybe um, a group of professionals would consider it because that's, that's, yeah. that's one of the things we, we're going to try to do is um, just raise awareness of art being used as recovery, as reintegration. And yeah. that's why we're interviewing all the artists that were how they discovered their inner voice back. And uh, uh-huh. so it's so important to speak with professionals like you that have that kind of diverse experience in it, and can address the issues in it and the pros and cons. So it's been it's been really fascinating to, to speak with you. You might want to schedule another interview with you because I I see a lot of possibilities. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're spinning like oh okay, you know we got to. Explore that you might wind up um, being asked to come back because um, I think you've opened up. You've opened up like Pandora's box. Like the questions I was asking you were very traditional questions, and then when one speaks with you, you, you just kind of like you know blow it all up, and then you realize, yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a whole other other world to this, there's a whole other way of looking at it, there's a whole realm of possibilities mm-hmm. and there's a whole realm of challenges and yeah. it, it would be great to um, come back to that and speak with you further on it and let people just kind of sit with, with what you've said so far and, and get some feedback on this interview and then um, have some deeper challenges addressed because I think that you've opened up a, a door for a lot of people. And I, I really appreciate speaking with you because you definitely opened up my eyes quite a bit. And I love education. I love people that bring that in our lives and my life and, mm-hmm. and open me up to new, um, new ways of, of new perspective. So. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's
1: kind of like my my experience of creativity. I mean, and I don't know if I had a whole lot of formal training. I have a lot of experience, again, from childhood in doing arts and crafts and drawing and making music and dance Mm -hmm. from young adulthood on and everything. And I've had so many people that will share and teach and I've used it in lots of ways. I've introduced it and brought it into stuff. And I've had people introduce it with me. Mm-hmm. And I find it just adds so much richness. Like, you know, they say, you know, you've got to relearn the critical thinking, understand social pressures and all this kind of stuff. And all that, you know, you need food, you need shelter, exactly. you need relationship. Exactly. Those are the what's of life. And creativity and art and spirit is why. Mm-hmm. As the why to
0: do all that. As <laughs> yes, if you're going back to to the basics with that, and there's so many diverse ways and forms to to pull that um, pull that not into you, but pull it out of you, and so art, you know, pulls it, um, you know, out of you back to where it should, you know, back to. He- yeah. back to healing and once that starts then everything else can slowly fall back in place depending on what you need but I I think you really opened up a, a lot of um, trains of thought with this and I I really appreciate it and I, I think we're going to get tremendous feedback on this interview and cool. we might want to do some follow-ups on it so I, I am very appreciative of your time